Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Do something about it. First Samuel 14, enough rambling, right? Verse 35. Just one verse here. The Bible says, And Saul built an altar unto the Lord. The same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord. Simple. Saul built an altar unto the Lord. The same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord. For a little while, I want to minister along this line. I might have changed this a little bit from this morning, but regardless. The cost... Of unfinished altars the cost of unfinished altars let's join our voices together tonight because we need heaven to help us this evening God I love you and I appreciate you God let the prayers of your people arise into you tonight God let the voices of men and women join together Lord, as we pray, God, that our ears would be open, our hearts, God, would be open, the minds of our understanding would be open. God, I want to receive what heaven would have tonight. God, if you can use these lips of clay, if you can use this vessel, I pray, O oh Lord, today I render it to you for your purpose. Render it to you, O oh Lord, God, for your use. For we're in need, God, of a fresh touch today lord give us the strength lord to do what needs to be done god in our society in our community lord in our church god in this hour the name of jesus christ that we pray amen and amen everyone say amen look at your neighbor and tell him you look good You look good. Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. Lovely name of the Lord. Boy, that got you all stirred up, didn't it? Hallelujah. Sister McGee was talking about how words of affirmation and stuff help people. And I tell you what, I just about went, really went there for a moment. I mean, I'll just use that every once in a while. You'll look good. Amen. The cost of unfinished altars. Whether I pronounce this correctly or not, but there is a city by the name of Copan or Copan. It's located in western Honduras, close to the border with Guatemala. And in this city, it's a notable area, as are many of those southern american cities in that region that are littered with mayan ruins some of you who have taken trips to mexico even in that area have had the advantage if you wanted to to go visit some mayan ruins the mayans is an interesting group of people or interesting civilization because they remain one of the earliest civilizations that we have record of in the americas 
dating all the way back to some of the early centuries of time. And as a result of it, people that have uh, studied them and looked at their works, the Mayan people, rulers, kings that they had, uh, carved elaborate monuments that told the stories of their nations and their people's rather lives. It may depict upon uh, their pyramids and upon their staircases, even uh, some altars that they have erected. Uh, they may depict the stories of their very own ascent to the throne and their lineage, their genealogies of people that they had, important battles that they would demark upon these different things that they have built or certain other events in their history that they deemed vital or deemed important. These people, although in the early centuries that we have record of them, they were very intelligent people, very intelligent. They had a very sophisticated calendar, a very uh, sophisticated writing system for that era and that day of hieroglyphic type writing that they used commonly and repetitively that gives us good uh, history and background to their lives because they recorded it so well about what happened. Many monuments dating back to times of their kings and how long they reigned and who reigned after them. Almost each king in succession you can have through their history who reigned and who came after them and who succeeded them. And among all of the relics that they have there. There is a, there is a staircase of hieroglyphics that is uh, one that is known all over the world because archaeologists go there and it's a gold mine for them and they study it and they read the story through the hieroglyphics of uh, the story of the Mayans. Their, their mathematical capabilities of even that day was just, just overwhelming to understand that people had such a grasp upon math and science of those type of generations. But among all the relics and among all the littering of uh, the different things that are there in the ruins in this particular city. There is certain altars. There is one altar by the name the Altar Q and on that altar, on every side of that altar and on the top of that altar, everywhere that there was space to do any hieroglyphics, they are there. It's the story of that ruler's and that reigner's life. And many times there are different uh, pyramids and stuff that are, are given to credit of who the ruler was at that particular time and, and it's his what he's known by what he is recognized by a legacy that he would leave for the next generation of people that would come after him but among all of these things among altar Q there is another altar among the ruins that is known by altar L and altar L is an altar that has hieroglyphics for the most part on one side and even gives a date back to 822 A.D. Back to 822 A.D. And there's scratchings and marks and of uh, the 17th, I believe, and final ruler, if you will, of the Mayans that we have record of. And there's carvings all on one side of the altar. But then on the other sides of the altar and on the top of the altar, there are no more carvings. It is as though it is left somewhat incomplete. It's as though it was left to a certain degree unfinished because the Mayans were very, very uh, uh, noteworthy about if it was a piece of stone, it was going to be covered with a story. If it was a staircase, it was going to be covered with 
a story because in the story is the legacy of their time. In the story is the legacy for generations to come. But this altar L only has one side that there's any inscriptions on. Everything else is blank. It is though it is unfinished. And according to history, there are no other leaders that came after the 17th leader. Nobody else assumedly assumed the throne after this leader. For that matter, it seems all of civilization went down the hoe. It was non-existent after this leader. And I'll say it as one man said it who was an archaeologist. He said the actual demise, if you will, of the civilization of the Mayans is dramatically illustrated by the unfinished altar L. He said it would seem as though in a day that a sculptor had basically just laid down his tools, laid down his scrawl, and walked away from the altar. And one of the greatest, most noted greatest dynasties of the world that we have record of was over the day that they left the altar unfinished. Because up to that time, they constantly covered them. Up to that time, they told their story. Up until that time, they made sure that that would be their mark and their legacy. But the only legacy that this leader, 17 now, 17th leader, everyone had some type of altar or stonework that was ascribed to their name because that was their legacy. But the 17th one, the only thing that he has typical or identifying his legacy was a unfinished altar that lacked in quality, lacked in luster, amen, that bespoke of a race that was terminating, a race that was on its way of being over. Can someone say amen? amen. Our Bible story tonight in the book of Samuel, amen, turns our attention to Saul, who was Israel's first king. We understand the scripture, amen, very well. If we could somehow introduce the book of Samuel, it would be a little bit over this wise in that it was a time in which every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's what the Bible says in the closure of Judges. They had judges that came and caused there to be great deliverance and then God's people went back to their pernicious ways only for another judge to arise and deliver God's people again and then God's people going back to their pernicious ways. So the last verse in the book of Judges quotes that, that in their, those days there was no king. There was only prophets. There was only judges. There were only seers. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So whenever we enter into the book of Samuel, we're entering into a time frame in which there is a young boy and a lad by the name of Samuel that would arise to be a prophet, arise to be a seer, the voice of the Lord for God's people. The people underneath the rule of a theocracy, they were God-ruled, God-directed, God-commanded. God guided, but the people seeing all the nations around them having kings put over them, their cry would come as one voice into the ears of Samuel and say, let us have a king over us 
as all the other nations would have over them. Do you understand really the gravity of what they were asking for? Whenever they asked for a king to be placed over them instead of having the voice of the prophet, the voice of the seer, the voice, if you will, of God in their life. What they were saying is we're ready to change this theocracy to a monarchy. We're, we're ready to change this from being God-guided to being man-directed. We're, we're ready for a switching up of things. We want to be as everybody else that's around. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a time not too much removed from that time in reality because I'm hearing in the voices of pulpits and the voices of churches that people have somewhat of a similar cry. Give us a king that can be over us. Let's change this thing from a God-guided thing and let's be like the other churches that are around us. Let's, let's be like the other organizations and the other support groups and the, all these. Uh, let's just be just like all these other things around us. The Bible tells us very clearly though that here is Saul. He's put in station. He's put in order. He goes one day looking for his daddy's donkeys and he has a servant that is with him as he is traveling. He's getting a little frustrated because he can't find daddy's donkeys. He, he can't find where they went and he's about ready to return home lest daddy start getting a little sorrowful of heart because the son hasn't came back in many days. And the Bible says that the servant kind of called to his attention why why don't you go see the seer why don't you go see the prophet Samuel and see what he has to say and they received some word that it was on a day of sacrifice that he was in this particular town and the people said as you enter that town you'll more than likely meet Samuel and he'll tell you concerning your father's donkeys and Saul went into that place with his servant and as he met Samuel Samuel said hey Saul, uh, don't worry about your donkeys. They're taken care of. He says, but stay tonight and tomorrow also, and I'll tell you everything that's in your heart. He goes and he eats with them and he feasts at the table. The, uh, Samuel had already been told by God that he was coming, set aside a worthy portion for Saul and his servant. They ate, amen, and they ate then the next day and before they left, Samuel would tell him a few things that would give recognition that God was going to call him into a place because the people were desiring that God was going to allow something to happen that he would be their new king. He told him some things that would happen. One of the three things that he told him was this. He said, you're going to come among a group of prophets and whenever you get among them, something's going to happen. There's going to be an exchange that happens. And he says, you're going to begin to prophesy. There's going to be some things come out of your mouth that you don't even know what you're saying and he said but it's going to happen and the Bible says on the following day when he came to the location that Samuel had said and he came among the prophets that the spirit of the Lord indeed come upon him and he began to prophesy in so much that people who knew Saul said is this not the son of Kish is this not has he become a son then of the prophets because what he was doing was outside of his character what he was doing was outside of his regular mode of life but the Bible clearly states these words that whenever he returned back home, amen, his uncle understood well that he had seen the prophet Samuel and his uncle asked him, he said, what did the seer say to you? And without giving any weight, without telling, 
without revealing anything concerning the spiritual matter. Saul says, he said that daddy's donkeys are thus and so and they're okay, but the Bible particularly says he did not make mention one word concerning what was spoken into his life concerning spiritual matters. We read the history of Saul, 40 years of his reign, 40 years of his reign over Israel. And the Bible says in Scripture that in the days of Saul, they did not inquire of the ark of God. As a matter of fact, the only time I see that Saul ever inquires of the ark of God when it was self-serving for himself, he never inquired of the ark of God. In our Bible story tonight, whenever we come to 1 Samuel chapter 14, the Bible tells us that he has now a great army. He's going to fight against the Philistines who was a continuous enemy of the Israelites. And the Bible says that he had made a plea that no man was to eat. No man was to eat till the evening. They were to fast until they had got a great victory. The Bible tells us how Jonathan, his son, and his armor bearer went up away where a rock and a hard place was, so to speak. They killed about 20 men. And as a result of doing that, there was a great quaking and a trembling of the enemy because of what took place and what happened. God gave such a great victory, amen, to Jonathan, his son, and his armor bearer. But the Bible says that Saul took that victory and basically said in so many words, that was my doing. I thought of that. This happened because of me. And because he had put this ignorant thing upon his people to fast all day and not eat till the evening, whenever they did go to battle after Jonathan had started the war for him, where they did go to battle, they did not kill as many people they could have killed if they were allowed to eat something. They didn't slaughter as many. Jonathan even said we would have slaughtered a whole lot more if we had been able to eat, if the people would have been able to eat. And so as a result of that, whenever they took of the spoils, I know this is a long story, but I'm just filling you in. When they took the spoils of all the war that they had, and there were animals, there were people that were falling on the animals, and this is as gross as it may sound, but they've been fasting, they're hungry, they're wearied soldiers, it's evening now, they've kept to their word, and, and they fall upon these animals, and they begin ripping them open and ripping meat from them, uncooked, undrained of blood, and partaking of this meat because they were so hungry hungry, amen, and they were so famished, amen, but it was evening time, and that was okay, but they were transgressing the voice of the Lord, because you were not to eat of the offering, not to eat of the meat, if there was blood still in it, but these people were transgressing, now we have a dilemma on our hand, and Saul understands he has a dilemma on his hand, people have transgressed against the Lord, but also, here is God that gave them great victory, and so the Bible says very plainly in verse 35 that Saul built an altar unto the Lord. The same was the first altar that he built unto the Lord. Now I want you to understand something tonight, folks. This was not the first of many altars that Saul would build. And this is the first altar we see him building already well in to a reign of 40 years. And then secondly, the rendering of the Hebrew in the scripture denotes that Saul began to build an altar unto the Lord. 
The same was the first altar that he began to build unto the Lord. In other words, relaying to you and I that this wasn't an altar that Saul built and finished and completed and it was whole. But this was an altar because you look at the next verse of scripture and Saul's thinking about let's go to battle again. Let's go do some more enemy work. Before he finished his altar, before he finished his altar, he was off to fight another battle but without the sanctioning of an altar, without the completion of an altar. It would just be, folks, a short time from this recording of Scripture. There's a lot of mistakes that Saul made. There's a lot of mistakes that Saul made. He offered sacrifice when he should have asked the priest or had a priest to offer sacrifice. He didn't kill Amalekite whenever the Amalekite should have been totally killed. But I declared this evening that the greatest mistake in Saul's 40-year reign was not not, not that he did some things that he should not have done, but that he didn't do some things he should have done. He never finished his altar. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you right now, there are a lot of things that if we could just somehow survey life, survey, survey circumstances, survey pitfalls in churches and ministries and lives, if we could sit down with people, you know, we trace it back to not the time that they flubbed up per se another time, but it's traced back to many times unfinished altars. Somebody stopped praying. Somebody stopped calling on God. Somebody stopped early morning supplication somebody stopped they didn't finish their altar I declare in this day if there's ever going to be a legacy left in your life if there's everything ever anything ever notable that's going to be left I hope for the life of the church the life of your family if it's a legacy let it be an altar that's finished let it be an altar that was undying let it be an altar that didn't give up let it be an altar that prayed whenever it was bad and prayed whenever it was good prayed when it was well I don't care what season of life you are in. Do not leave your altars unfinished. We're commanded in scripture that men always ought to pray. Always in every season, it doesn't matter. There is no place or circumstance or time in life whenever it's inappropriate to pray. It is always appropriate to pray. Amen, when you don't know what to do, pray. When you do know what to do, pray. Whenever you have all your family in the church, pray. When some of them's not in church, pray. When you feel like praying, pray. When you don't feel like praying, pray. Don't leave your altars unfinished. When they're preaching about prayer, pray. When you haven't heard it preached for three months, go on and pray. For the minds, it was the termination and the end of a dynasty of seven rulers of an unfinished altar. 
Let me tell you something, folks. Unfinished altars do not come without a price. You've all heard it a thousand times. That sometimes many of our unanswered prayers are not because God didn't hear them. It's because they were never offered. They've been thoughts and they've been things that's formulated formulated in our minds, but it never flowed over our lips. And so some of our unanswered prayers are really just unoffered prayers, unfinished altars. There's a cost to unfinished altars. Amen. Oh, yeah, he, he, he did some things when he shouldn't have done some things, but he also did not do some things when he should have done some things so that in the closure of his life, he was going to rule, he was going to reign. Although God's people were the ones that wanted God, God was going to have his hand of anointing upon him. God was going to help him. God was going to teach him. God was going to try to guide him if he would be guided. And yet through all of that, we hear the word of Scripture come very powerfully back to Saul. He said, Saul, your kingdom's not going to continue. You're not going to reign. You're not going to be profitable. You know what I link a lot of that to? Yeah, to the Amalekites. Yeah, to offering things when he shouldn't have offered anything. But I link a lot of it to an unfinished altar that he had in his life. Amen. Unfinished, an unfinished altar that he had in his life. Because the first altar that he began to build seems to be the last altar he ever attempted to build. And you know what's ironic to me, folks? Kish, his father, called his name Saul. And I don't know, you can't necessarily read or find out in Scripture, may indicate that this is the only son that Kish had. But he called him Saul. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. He's the first king of the Jewish nation. And his name Saul means asked for this is just Paul McGee thinking here brother Terry that boy Saul was the result the product of something that was asked for that baby boy that rose to a stature, Bible says, where he was head and shoulders above all. The scripture in using the bad English said there was no goodlier person than Saul than asked for. Somewhere I tend to believe, somewhere in the household of Kish and his mama. I don't see a lot of record. It seems to deem that he was probably the only son very noteworthy thing for a mother and father to have a son. It's a black mark upon their family if they couldn't have a boy. But I see somewhere perhaps in the history of Kish and Mama saying, honey, let's talk to God about this. 
Let's petition heaven about this. Let's just see if God won't hear our prayer and answer it and give us a son to remove the reproach from our family, remove the reproach from our womb. And there's a mom and a dad who was praying. I don't know how many prayers or how many times they asked, but somewhere along the way, there was a seed implanted in the womb and it began to blow, grow. And there's a boy born. And they said, we're going to call him Saul because we asked for him. He's the product of what we asked for. And then the product, being the son that was asked for, now comes to a place that he can't finish an altar. Standing there as a product of prayer, but he couldn't offer a prayer himself. Let me tell you something. Our building is filled with more souls than you think. And I might not be speaking during the lines of a natural sense, but in a spiritual sense, these pews are filled with some souls. There's a bunch of asked fors. There were some grandparents and cousins and moms and dads and friends and family that said, God, grab their heart. God, wake them up before they're too late. God, bring them out of their sin and their sorrow. Help them see there's a better day. There's a better way. And as a result of somebody praying, as a result of somebody petitioning God, some of you are sitting on these pews tonight. You're some of the spiritual souls. You're the product of what somebody else asked for. And therefore, who are we then not to finish our altar who are we not to build our altar and say our prayer and render our communion with God when we're a product of what somebody else prayed for there's a cost to unfinished altars folks
raise your hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Please just raise your hands to the Lord. Be mindful of him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Kola basi abashanda rarororo bosonde abashanda riamandali abahaya. Kala masiri esiri esiri. be thankful unto him right now God I want to hear your voice 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 oh Jesus 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 hallelujah 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 oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you'll stand with me tonight, I just feel like bringing this to a close here. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Saul left that first altar, only altar that I have record of. He began to build it. Left that unfinished. And in doing so, what that opened him up for in the latter years of his life was to seek out a familiar spirit from the witch of Endor and kneel down at a totally different altar of a different manner because whenever you listen to me whenever you leave your altar unfinished you open up yourself to the altars of spirits beyond what we're experiencing right here in this place and the Bible clearly says brother Mason if you can come in 1st Chronicles 10 13 so Saul died for his transgression which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. Verse 14, and inquired not of the Lord. And talk to God about it. Then pray to God about it. Therefore he, speaking God, slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse, emphatically tonight emphatically within those verses is enough for me to understand there is a grave cost to unfinished altars there's grave cost
to lives without prayer. Amen. To churches. Listen. To churches without prayer. There's a grave cost. Can I be so bold to say, listen to me. I've had the question posed sometimes. And it doesn't make sense. You think, what in the world? Brother McGee, why in the world is it sometimes that there's good Pentecostal apostolic churches who have to shut their doors? Let me tell you something. Some of that many times is linked to unfinished altars. Unfinished altars. We're not beyond it. This location, this group of people is not beyond it. (laughs) There's sometimes I've been nervous about it. Amen. But you know what? Prayer will take you the distance that finances can't take you. Prayer will take you the distance that congregation size can't take you. Because for the very same reason, that's how I've seen in my ministry home mission churches. Starting from grassroots. Turn into unbelievable churches. In the U.S., how did it happen? Nobody else was there. Me and the wife and kids. If no one else was there, if we didn't have anything else to do, we go pray. Whenever we went to midweek prayer meeting, no one else showed up. We prayed. Uh huh. When we didn't have enough money to even keep the lights on, we kept the lights off while we had church during the summer so the sun could shine through that storefront mission. I'm telling you stories of her. We prayed. And a lot of those today are established churches because they finished their altars. They finished their altars. They finished their altars. Honey, if it will continue, and if it will continue, I guarantee you, if you search through the corridors of time, more so than finance and more so than people, it's going to be somebody that's working on an altar, somebody that's working in a prayer closet, somebody that's having some communion with God, saying, it's me again, Lord. It's me again, Lord. I'm a product because somebody prayed. I'm a product because I'm something that was something asked for. And so, God, I'm on my knees. I'm I'm finishing. I'm working on. I'm working on. I'm working on my altar altar because the, the the flip side of this it's too much of a cost it's it's too much it's too much of a cost these altars are open tonight these altars are open church family man woman boy girl whatever age we may be let's just have a time that we're just going to work on thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.